Welcome to the Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Kernsville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Kernsville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.kernsvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from the Heart Zone, here's George. Folks, we've been proceeding through the Gospel of Luke, looking at the teaching, specifically the teaching of Jesus Christ. And I want you to realize something, that as we've been going through this, some of Jesus' most harsh condemnations has not been towards sinners. Let me just say that again, because sometimes we need to grasp the reality of that. The most harsh condemnations that you will find in the Gospel that Jesus is giving towards people is not towards sinners. It's actually towards religious people. It's actually towards people who are self-righteous, who think they have their act together, and who look down upon others. The self-righteous people are those who are maybe religious, they think they're okay with God, and they can approach Him, and they think that everybody else is not able to approach Him. And some of Jesus' harshest condemnations has been towards the religious Really what I want us to see here is that Jesus is condemning an attitude, and the problem is is that kind of attitude can pervade your whole life so that when you go to prayer, that's how you pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you've got a self-righteous attitude that you are better than someone else, folks, you're going to carry that with you when you go and pray. You're going to have that attitude when you go and pray. If you see yourself as being above someone else, that comes out of the essence of who you are. And when you go to prayer, it's right there. It's exposed. And so today we're going to talk about, as we look at this next section of prayer, Jesus is again going to address an issue of prayer. He's going to mention two people who are very distinct, but he's going to talk about their approach to God. He's going to talk about how they approach God. And then Luke adds on to that an incident that happens with some children, all of it dealing with this subject of approaching God. So let's look together. We need to look at verses 9 through 17. And notice what Jesus says. Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple and prayed, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes towards heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them, But when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, 
For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Folks, we're going to look here at several different ways that we can approach God. First of all, we're going to look at the self-righteous approach. We're going to see that approach as, as illustrated by the Pharisee. We're going to see the humble approach. We're going to see that as representative by the tax collector. And then we're going to see the childlike approach. We're going to see that in Jesus' discussion concerning the children. Let's talk about the Pharisee for a moment. I want you to realize that as you read this passage of Scripture, I want you to listen to me. We have, as the church today, more in common with this Pharisee than we do with the tax collector. Do you understand that? Most of us in church, and I would say myself included, have more in common with the Pharisee than we do with the tax collector. What do you mean by that, George? I don't. I mean, when I read this, it's obvious that Jesus isn't really making this guy sound really nice, and I don't really like, in fact, I resent the implication that you're saying that I'm like this dude. The reality is, is we are. Why? Because when you look at the Pharisees and who they are, here's a couple things that stand out about them. Number one, they were conservative in their community. They were very conservative, very moral people, very judgmental of things that didn't go right, that they thought were going against the grain of how their culture was. They were very religious. They were always attending the synagogue. They served. They didn't hang out with people who did wrong. They didn't do the wrong things. They did the right things. They were middle class. So reality is, is we have a lot in common with this guy here, the Pharisee. He would fit right in in any congregation today in America. But he's got a problem that I'll be honest with you, we have a problem with. And here's the problem he has. He thinks too highly of himself. You see, he, 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 he's conservative, he's religious, he's doing all the right things, and all of that makes him think that he's okay. And so that attitude is going to be expressed in the way that he approaches God. But I want you to notice, there's some things that come out of this passage, three things that come out of this passage that we need to first of all see. First of all, I want you to notice verse 9. Let's talk about Jesus for a moment. Verse 9 makes it very clear that Jesus is concerned about our attitude in prayer. First thing you've got to recognize that if we, as we look at this guy is that Jesus is concerned about our attitude in prayer. Look at what it says in verse 9 there. He said he spoke this parable to some, so he's not speaking it to everyone, but he's speaking it to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. He's talking about people who think they got their act together. Who think that they're okay. Have you met people like that? Maybe you are somebody like that. People who have their act together. He's talking to the self-righteous here. And, and what, notice what else they do. Not only do they think they got their act together, they despise others. They despise others. Now, Let's just stop for a moment because you say, okay, George, you said right off the bat, it's only for people who think that way. I'm not that person. I definitely don't have my act together. Just ask somebody in my family. They'll tell you I don't have my act together. Well, you may be shocked to realize that this actually does speak to you because that second part there. It's somebody who, who thinks that 
Number one, look at verse 9. Who trust in themselves that they are righteous and they despise others. Well, you say, I get along with everybody, George. I don't have a problem with anybody. Really? Is that true? Because the reality is, is if we hung out with you, I can almost guarantee you that we could figure out who you got a problem with. Because the reality is, is that all of us, I'll use the word, all of us have prejudices. Do we not? Do you see what I'm saying? It, I mean, if you really thought about it, before you say, this is not talking about me, when you really think about what Jesus is addressing here, the reality is, is he is talking about us, isn't he? And so he's concerned about our attitude, because when we express those kind of attitudes, it always goes with us when we go to prayer. Because it's reflected in how we pray about other people. And notice, notice it is definitely in this guy's prayer. Look at what he says there. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Here's what I want you to see. The Pharisee sees himself as better than others. I mean, he even has the audacity. I mean, how, how many? I mean, think about it. God, I just thank you for me. I don't know that the world can handle it without me. That's his attitude. And I thank you that I'm not like these other people. This is the attitude that he's expressing here. He saw himself as better than others. And here's what he did. He felt justified by his religious actions. He felt justified by his religious actions. Notice what he says. God, it's me. I fast twice a week. Tuesdays and Thursdays, Lord. I'm giving it up for you. God, I'm tithing of everything. And folks, they did. They tithed of everything down to their table salt. They gave a tithe of everything they had. That's pretty, pretty, pretty radical, isn't it? I'm not like that. Yeah, but how many of us think we're okay in justifying ourselves because we came here today, we sang songs, we listened to George, we actually gave something? Hey, I volunteer, Lord. I put up with it for two hours, Lord. This is the attitude of the guy. It's a self-righteous, religious attitude. We'll talk later about whether or not God accepts that. But I want you to notice now the other guy is is the tax collector. Let me remind you about tax collectors. Of all the people in their society, they were the rejected. Yeah, we know there were lepers. They were rejected, but the tax collector, he might as well have had leprosy. Because, you see, the tax collector worked for somebody that was the Roman government. Number two, they always added something onto the tax, because that's how they got paid. So it isn't that you just paid your tax. You actually paid more because that's how the guy's paying himself. You know what I'm saying? He adds his fee on top of it. So you get angry because most of the tax collectors lived pretty well. They weren't suffering. They, they actually were people with a lot of money. And you knew where the money came from, so that only irritated you even more towards the tax collector. So we're talking about somebody who's not really accepted by society. 
So he comes up to the temple to pray. Let me just stop for a moment. That's a bold thing to do for him to go to the temple to pray. Why? If you're one of the most hated people in town, would you go where everybody is? Would you? I think you'd be kind of laying low. Would you not? But this guy goes up to the temple and pray. And I notice what the passage says. I think it's very interesting because we're going to see the second approach here. It's the humble approach. Notice what it says there. And the tax collector, standing afar off. Let me explain that to you, standing afar off. When you go into the temple, if you see any model of the temple, there's the court of the Gentiles. That was as far as you and I could go. The Gentiles could go. The next court in would be the court of the women. That was as far as the women would go. The next court beyond that was the court of the men. The men could go into the next court, and there was a certain, as far as regular men can go. Then it was the court of the priests, and that was where the priests were. That was as far as they go. And then you got into the Holy of Holies, and then there was, as far as going into the Holy of Holies, only one man could go in there maybe a couple of times a year. So you're talking about being able to approach God. So this guy goes into the temple. He's probably into the court of men. And rather than getting close to where the Holy of Holies is, because that's where all the self-righteous people come so we can get up there right up to the front and stand. This guy must have been Baptist because he sat in the back. Do you know what I mean? He stands in the back, afar off. So notice what it says there. Standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. Have you ever talked to somebody and they just kind of look down at the ground all the time? Usually you know when you're talking to somebody and they can't make eye contact with you that there's a problem, right? Usually you know that. So here he is, he's in the temple, he's standing afar off, and he can't even raise his eyes toward the building where the Holy of Holy is. So there's a problem going on here. And then, notice what it says there, he beat his chest. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Here's what I want you to see about the, the, the approach. First of all, the tax collector saw his rightful place. What does that mean, George, his rightful place? Listen, when you are humble and you truly recognize who you are, and you truly recognize what you've done, and you truly recognize how holy God is, and how far you are from Him, and how your actions in comparison to a holy God, that you realize your rightful place is as far away from Him as possible. Do you understand that? Because you realize, God, I'm not even worthy to come in your presence. Because of my sin. God, I remember what I did. He knows he's done wrong against God. See, he knows his rightful place. His rightful place is way off. That's humility. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's humility. See, the attitude that walks in, because you notice, the, 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 if you look at the Pharisee, notice what the verse says. He stood. Pride. This guy, he's standing afar off. He can't even raise his eyes up to and He beats his chest. He knows his rightful place. He knows his rightful place. And in fact, the second thing I want you to see there about him is this. He pleaded his need for mercy. You know, beating, beating your chest. I'm going to be honest with you. When he's crying out, have mercy on me, a sinner, I can almost guarantee you that it isn't, oh, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's not that. It's have mercy on me. 
Within his heart, he's crying out from the pain within him, Have mercy on me! See, that's a humble approach. See, that's the difference between the two. The one guy, the self-righteous dude, he thinks he deserves everything. He's accomplished it. He's doing the right stuff. He's faithful. He's religious. But I want you to notice what Jesus says here. Look with me, the last part of verse 14. I tell you, this man, speaking of the tax collector, went down to his house justified. Let me explain to you what that word justified means. Justified means, it means to be declared righteous. Do you understand what I'm saying? It means to be declared righteous by God. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. You know who God declared righteous? The guy who couldn't even look up at the temple, the Holy of Holies, who beat his chest, rather than the guy who sat there and says, I thank God that I'm me. And notice what he says. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. What does that mean? Everyone who lifts himself up, every self-righteous dude or dudette who thinks they're okay with God and sits there and despises other people, look at what he says. They'll be humbled. What? They'll be brought low. Ultimately, it's speaking of judgment there. They're going to wake up one day with a rude reality when they stand before Jesus. But notice what he says there. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. What does that mean? The guy who recognizes his rightful place, who recognizes he's a sinner, who pleads for mercy, he's one day going to be exalted. How? New standing in heaven. See, here's the point I want you to see here. This is what's going on. Our acceptance is based on our hearts. Your acceptance with God, your acceptance as you go to Him in prayer, is based upon the condition of your heart. If you're sitting there and you think that you got it all together, and you think that you're that you're Mr. or Mrs. Perfect or Miss Perfect or Miss, you know whatever Master Perfect, I mean you you think you got it together, and everybody else is lacking, and and God, whew, I just thank you for making me. You're going to wake up one day and be rudely shocked when you go and stand before before Jesus because you're going to realize that you don't have it together. But if you're here and you realize, God, I'm not even worthy to take another breath. God, why do you put up with me? I mess up continually. Here's what he's saying. Here's what God's saying. Our acceptance with him is based upon our own hearts. Do you see the struggle within yourself? Do you acknowledge it before Him? Are you real before God? See, this is the difference. It's the difference between a guy who doesn't recognize it and thinks everybody else is wrong to the guy who, what, is messed up, realizes it, and says, God, have mercy on me. Jesus says, do you think who's the one that's accepted? It's not the first guy. It's the second guy. See, here's the thing, folks. I think it's going to revolutionize our prayer lives if we would just grasp this simple attitude about how we approach God. If you and I would climb off of our high horses and think we've got it all together because we're not like somebody else in town and realize that we are messed up, here's the reality. When you realize that you're messed up and you come before God and you're real about it, that's where acceptance begins. It's when we 
act like there's no problem. That's when there's a problem. Luke goes on then. It's almost like, wow, why does he add this into it? Because I want you to look with me. Look at verse 15. He's going to talk about a third approach here. And I think verse 15 is so appropriate because it just fits right in with what we're talking about. We're talking about people who can approach God. We're talking about people who can approach Jesus. And about that the self-righteous think the only way to approach Him is because you've got to do all this right stuff. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. It's like the tax collector who comes in his humility recognizing he, he can't approach Him. That's the guy who can come forward. But look at verse 15. Then they also brought infants to him that they might touch him. But when the disciples saw this, they rebuked him. Here's the scene. Jesus is there. And if you're a parent, you want your child to meet Jesus. And so these parents are like, hey, my baby. And here's what the disciples do. Whoa, wait a minute now. This is Jesus. We can't have any kids around here. Can't have any snotty-nosed, drooling babies. Get them out of here. You know what? I read that immediately. I thought about the church. Hey, can't approach Jesus like that. You're not dressed right. Your hair's not the right length. You got a beard. Don't come in here till you got it together. Like anybody ever has it together. But I want you to notice what Jesus does. Jesus stops them. And he called them to him and he said, look at what he says, verse 16, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Here's what he's saying. Jesus calls us to approach God as a child. He wants us to approach him as a child. You know, when you get older, you get sophisticated. Have you noticed that? There's a difference between a child and an adult. Have you noticed that? It's not just maturity, but it's the way you look at things. When you get older, you get sophisticated. You've got to figure it out on your own. You've got to know that, you know what, I've got this problem. I've got the plan. I've got plan B if that doesn't work. And if plan B doesn't work, there's plan C. And we'll figure out D if C doesn't work. And, and that's the adult. But then there's the child. And I, I remember when my little ones were little and... Toys would be broken. How many of you, toys always break. Did you notice that? that? They don't make them durable. Almost inevitably, they'll come with a toy and they'll say, Daddy, broke. And when they do that, it's not that they want you to be aware that it's broke. They want you to what? Do something about it. Why? Because they believe, listen, when you're a child and you're talking about your parents... In a normal, healthy relationship, you believe mommy and daddy can what? Do anything. But that's the attitude of a child. A child believes. A child, this is what Jesus is saying, when you go to God, you go to Him like a child and you say, Daddy broke! I can't fix it! You can! I believe you. This is the attitude He wants from us. Do you understand? How many of us don't have that attitude, though? We go to prayer and we say, God, here's my problem. I've got to figure it out, Lord. You know, if you do this, and, and of course this will happen, and then if you do this, then the third thing will happen, and then, Lord, if you do this, and, and Lord, here's five ways to handle it. Now, if, if, if anywhere along the way it messes up, I've got plan B, Lord. And if B messes up, well, you know, you're God. You can figure it out. Isn't that how we approach Him? 
See, this is the attitude Jesus is saying here. Here's the other thing I want you to see about this childlike attitude. Children are marked by dependence. See, that's what's got to go on. You've got to get to the place where you, in your mind, realize it's not me, it's Him. I can't do this. It's got to be you, Jesus. See the difference? See, we're talking about our approach to God in prayer, folks. Let me tell you something. Forget the first dude. If that's where you're at, you need to lose it quickly. And you need to adopt the next two attitudes. What's that? One of humility. God, I don't, I don't deserve this. God, have mercy on me. And then the other attitude. Daddy, fix. A childlike dependence. You say, okay, George, how do, how do we wrap this up? Here, well, let me give you three thoughts real quick. Number one, what's your approach to God? What's your approach with Him? Is it self-righteous? You think you got your act together? You think because you are better than somebody else? What's your approach to Him? Is it the attitude of that self-righteous Pharisee? Or is it the attitude of the tax collector? God, I don't even know why I'm here. I've messed up royally. Please have mercy on me. Or is it the attitude of the child? God, I... I need you right now. I can't do it without you. Fix this in my life. What's, what's your approach to God? And, and then really that, that addresses, are you self-righteous? Are you self-righteous? Do you look down at others? Are you self-righteous? Do you see yourself as better than someone else? And if you do, you need to realize that you've got to humble yourself. Because one day you will be humbled. One day you'll be humbled. And you know what? Life will humble you. What do you mean by that, George? Well, you know what? You might be here, and you make the meanest cheeseburger. Now, you haven't introduced it to me yet, so for me to tell that to, but you are a mean cheeseburger maker. You just do the right mixture of meat and spices, and, and you grill it to the perfection, and you put a nice big slab of cheddar cheese on it with a sourdough bun and a light slice of mayonnaise on the bottom no other vegetables you notice how I like it okay but you're here and you make that and you're like yes I am the best cheeseburger maker ever until one day somebody comes home and says mom or dad I just had this burger and it's better than yours life will humble you won't it there will always be somebody faster always be somebody who works better Always somebody who looks better. Always somebody who has more money. What do we have to be self-righteous about? And when it comes to spirituality, we've got to grasp the reality that if it wasn't for Jesus, we would none of us have a leg to stand on. Do you realize that? So what do I do with this? Seek God with humility and dependence. That's your action point this week. You know what? When you pray this week, don't go there with an attitude. Don't go there looking at yourself. Don't go there thinking, oh, I did this today, Lord. Lord, I, 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 I did this for you. Lord, I gave up that best parking spot for somebody else at Walmart. Did you see me? No, no, no. Don't go with it. You go to him and you say, Lord, I am the guy you saw do wrong this week. I can't do it without you, Jesus. 
Go to Him. Go to Him with dependence. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.